Hey guys, thanks for joining us again today. Um, we are talking about eating in a time restricted window. So uh, we were we're going to go over exactly you know what that means, but it's also called intermittent fasting, and it is all over the internet right now. So I'm sure that if it's not something you've tried, maybe you've thought about it or you have friends doing it. So we thought it was an important topic to bring up and how it relates to what we do here at Each Perform. So if you have been on building blocks before, this next couple of slides are familiar to you. But if not, I'm going to um, start first with introductions because I'm not going to assume that you know who all of us are. Um, I will start. I'm Susie Glassman. So I am a coach. I have been a coach since 2015. Uh, I'm also a mom. I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. So we are starting to enjoy the summer. And um, I just love what I do and I love helping you guys. So um, let's go to Amber. Introduce yourself. Hey guys, Amber here. Super excited to be on Building Blocks this week and talk to you about fasting. We get tons of questions about it in our reviews. So I am super excited to be here and answer those and, and help guide you so that you know when and how to do it if you want to. Susie? Okay, uh, Ed, tell us about yourself. All right, guys. So we've been doing this for a while. So the old people already know, um, kind of give the same intro every time. But uh, I've been a coach for about a year now. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in exercise science, and I really enjoy bodybuilding and uh, training for aesthetics. But I also love helping you guys. So that's something that uh, I'm very lucky to do every day. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit about myself. All right. And then uh, we are excited we've got Paul today. So introduce so, yourself, Paul. So I am the founder of Eat to Perform. Um, and I think that for people that don't know the history of Eat to Perform, it was just a blog, was not a plan to be a business or anything like that. One of the interesting things about intermittent fasting is that that's how I met April. Um, and I believe April was last week or the, or the week before. Um, and uh, so, and April was employee number two. So um, it, it was sort of interesting. I don't believe that April was actually a big faster, but you'll, you'll, you'll hear um, some of the things that, uh, you know, I went through strategies related to fasting, some of the pros and cons. And uh, and there are pros and there are cons. And so we'll walk through that a little bit. In terms of my personal life, uh, I have an 18-year-old daughter who just graduated yesterday. Um, and she was valedictorian um, because she went to a school with only uh, two people. <laughs> so she got to be valedictorian. And then my youngest daughter is uh, finishing her sophomore year in high school. And uh, I think I might have talked about this in the last podcast, but she was two questions short of a perfect uh, math portion of her ACT. So we were really excited for her. And uh, she is actually, she's just one of those kids that's very driven. So she's taken pre-calc this summer. So uh, I'll be driving her to the school where she'll be taking that, which is, 
ironically or not so ironically, the school that my daughter, my other daughter went to with a very few amount of people. So I always think it's kind of nice when people can know us a little bit more personally. So I agree. All right, cool. So the way this works is we like to spend some time um, talking about you guys, hearing your accomplishments this week, um, what you have to be proud of to communicate or to participate in that you can type out in the question box um and i see kim already wrote lol old people thanks ed i, I when you said <laughs> old, old people i thought the same thing i'm like what you calling old um anyway then we'll dive into the topic of the week and if you stick around to the end we'll have a q a where amber gives out a prize so um, let's start with what's new with you guys. Um, I love it. Deborah's already going here, but to give you guys some time to talk or, or to type, um, I should say, we'll talk about our achievements um, as coaches this week and as human beings. So I will say that now that summer has started, we have started taking evening walks after dinner. This is when we used to do homework. So now it's kind of fun. My my son rides his bike. My daughter is sick. She has this like pink Jeep that she rides around the neighborhood in and she is the worst driver. Um, so she will literally run into trash cans and over lawns, but it's just kind of a fun thing for us to do. So um, Amber, how about you, girl? Um, I um, made it through my oldest daughter getting her permit and driving for the first time like on a real road not in the neighborhood or it's a little neighborhood pool down the street or, you know, to like, you know, the neighbor's house, but like legit on the road, other cars over 35 miles an hour where I thought everybody was going to die. So she did let me know that she thinks, you know, she should ride with her dad instead of me next <laughs> as she learns. <laughs> but my victory <laughs> is that um, we all survived and um, I've got a whole summer to work on some patience and communication in the car. <laughs> That's me. Hi. Um, how about Ed? And then we'll go to Paul. How about you, Ed? All right. Well, first I want to touch on the old people. I just meant the OGs who have been tuning into the building blocks. But anyways, um, for me, I have been doing uh, intermittent fasting, just started doing it this fat loss cycle. And today is actually the first day I was able to delay out my first meal until noon because I usually wake up starving. So that's a big thing for me. Cool. All right. And Paul, you talked about your daughters. Anything else going on this week? Yeah, no. Uh, like Amber was saying, you you don't realize how much you love your children um, you're going to figure out exactly how much you love your child what, the first time she drives alone. Oh, yeah. That, that, will, be, that will be something for you. Um, and then, Susie, you mentioned the peak Jeep. I was watching uh, Anthony Bourdain on CNN, and he went to West Virginia, and they had, like, these races down a hill. And the teenagers – would get on like those pink Jeeps and they would disable the little engines or whatever and then ride them down the hill. And they oh, were in like helmets and, and pillows all around them and stuff like that. And, and they, would, they would crash like super, super hard. So uh, if you're in better dieting, 
which we probably should start to add some announcements to to these, you know, because there's probably a lot of people that listen to this that don't realize that Better Dieting exists, which is technically we started Better Dieting to be the home of this podcast, right? Um, actually, the home of Building Blocks. And um, so if you've been following in Better Dieting, we had a sleep challenge last week and uh, we're, we're actually doing a, a challenge most of the summer long. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, it, it's getting very expensive because we're giving away a lot of really cool stuff. And so uh, as long as uh, as long as I don't go broke, we'll keep the summer challenge going. But uh, in, uh, in the book, Why We Sleep, which is a, a recommendation, we actually gave that away as prizes to people. He suggests uh, biphasic sleeping. And all that basically means is sleeping in two stages. And so I have been taking a nap somewhere between 1 p.m. and 2.30. And so what I do is I just go and I try to put – I've only done it a, a couple of days. So, so you know, I'll let you know what the, the, the big findings are. But what I can say 100% is that my – uh, end of the day is much more fruitful now. And, uh, you know, he used this study uh, in Greece. They used to have, uh, you know, shops would close between one and five. And uh, they stopped doing it. And when they stopped doing it, people were missing their siestas and things like this. And what ended up happening is that chronic disease went up, national health care went up. And uh, so it was really interesting. I can say, you know, the first few days, the experiment is going really good. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> and, and with that, there's a loud ding. That's funny. Um, okay, so Amber, um, can you see the questions now? Yes, now I can see them. I got gotcha. Okay, cool. So Amber's going to read off um, what you guys are, are taping out. Okay, so... Deborah RX Murph, which is awesome. I know a ton of people that did that workout, and that is brutal. Fantastic job. Um, Danielle started training for her next half marathon this week and is doing neurotype training. Holy smokes. Sure hope you're eating enough to make all that happen. My goodness. Stephanie is in her first fat lo in fat loss one this week and has gotten no less than seven hours of sleep, Not, um, which is fantastic. That's awesome. Holy smokes. There are two Paul Nobles. <laughs> there's the good-looking one, and then there's me. Is that a good thing? Or <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, all right. We'll keep rolling. Thanks, Tim. All right. Sarah says she babysat um, her two nieces for two days and prepared food to bring with her to hit greens despite the craziness that was going to happen. That's fantastic. Way to plan ahead and prepare. Love that. Um, so someone that doesn't have a name scored two goals last night in deck hockey. Is that right? I don't I don't know what deck hockey is. You'll have to tell me what that is. I don't know. Um, we'll do just a couple more so that we can get rolling. Um, 
Oh, Tim says, as of a few minutes ago, I now have a senior in the house. Oh boy, get ready. That's gonna be a busy year. Oh my goodness. Um, let's see. Let me scroll in. I know this print is tiny. Um, oh, this is great. Andrea says, thanks to ETP and eating enough, I've been able to spend about 15 hours so far this week volunteering. So she said, I'm, I am tired, but I feel so happy to use my extra energy for helping out. Love that. Love to hear that you're volunteering and helping others. That's fantastic. I love reading all these amazing accomplishments. You guys are so great. And I know you're interested to know about the prize. So keep putting those in there. Keep telling me all the really cool things that you guys are doing to be eligible for this fantastic prize that I gave. I gave you a little uh, tidbit, a little showcase to it in our uh, um, Facebook group. So Susie, without further ado, I'll keep reading and noting these, but we want to get started and talk about intermittent fasting. Okay, cool. So what what is it? First of all, there are lots of different ways to do it. I'm going to have Amber kind of talk about the different types of fast and give you some of the examples and have Paul. Um, Paul has actually done a few of these, so he can talk about his experience with them. Um, but first of all, let's start with Amber. Sure. What the heck is it? Uh, what is IF? Intermittent fasting is a conscious choice to delay or skip meals. It's not just some random flippant thing that you do. It's, it's a choice in, in your diet. And there's a couple options within that choice of how to pursue or, or how to attack intermittent fasting. So if you look at this slide, we've got a couple different options and then some examples that fall in here. So the first one is a complete day of fasting. So typically that works with you eating through, um, eating through the day and then after dinner fasting. So from about 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. the next day fasting for an entire 24-hour period, and um, you can have, when we say fasting, let me back up a second, that doesn't mean that you can't have, you know, water, like you just sit there and, you know, have cotton mouth all day. I mean, that's that's having super, super low calories, like uh, 500 calories or less in the day, so a, a cup of coffee and some water, you, you'd be okay, but You've got complete alternating um, alternate day fasting where you have um, a full 24 hours of no fasting. You've got modified fasting where you do a couple days in the week of fasting and have um, you could look at it as like a they've got a five two where you do um, several days of eating normal. Now, Susie put out a post of not eating like an asshole. So you, you eat normal, not, not like a total asshole. And then you take some days in that week and you've passed. Then you've got time restricted where you delay your meal, like what Ed was talking about. So uh, maybe you delay breakfast. So you eat your dinner at six o'clock, you wake up and you don't want to do a whole day of fasting, but you hold off your breakfast till say 11 or 12. You've got a set amount of time um, a 16 and um, 16 and eight is where you fast for 16 hours and you eat an eight. That doesn't mean you make up those 16 hours in eight and 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 eat a whole truckload of food. So I feel like we need to clarify that that by fasting 
when you do eat, you're not trying to make up what you didn't eat. And I just want to make sure that we are we are all clear on that. So a couple options. And I know Paul, Susie, and Ed have done some of these. So uh, the options that we've got is a 16 and 8. Like I said, you eat for eight hours, fast for 16. And, and you can do that as often as you like. 24 hours, stop, eat, eat, stop, eat. Sorry, almost had that backwards. Um, where you fast for a full 24 hours, typically from like a 6 p.m. from a dinner a day to a dinner the next day. You've got every other day. You can do a, um, you know, a day of fast and then a day of eating and a day of fast. You've got the 5-2 where you have um, five days that you're eating and two days that you're fasting. You've got a warrior diet. Paul's going to touch on that for just a second. Uh, but with these fasts, it's something that you choose to do in your diet in order to have a caloric deficit. Um, or there's also, you know, religious reasons to do a fast and some other things that we'll touch on. But Paul, can you tell us about the fasts that you've done and touch on any of these? Sure. So there were some interesting things, and I am going to correct you a little bit. Technically, okay. fasting is zero. So you would not eat any calories. You would basically drink water or you would drink uh, or coffee, similar to what Amber was saying. But the minute you eat one calorie, you are not fasting any longer. And that is relevant. It's not like a little technicality that I'm bringing up because there's a lot of things that affect, you know, um, opening that window a little bit, right? And and that's what we're really talking about is eating windows and strategies rela um, related to eating windows. The, the, the method that I did the longest was lean gains, and it was actually the leanest I ever got. And so that sounds like, wow, that's really awesome. Um, it is really awesome if you're trying to look like a 13-year-old boy as a 50-year-old man. Right. Um, but the problem is, is that it, it and even while I was doing lean gains, I was eating a lot of calories and my activity level. In fact, you know, one of the that I was talking about this a little bit earlier where I met April, but my introduction into the nutrition world was technically uh an article that i did for like one of the wad magazines which ended up being one of their most popular magazines or one of their most popular articles that they ever written and you know i was just basically writing protocols for how to fast around crossfit and uh so like i said in that time i got very lean i did gain a lot of muscle but the question is is was that because of fasting or was that because of the weightlifting, right? And I think that, you know, was I able to eat in excess? And I think that, well, let me back up. I was definitely in a deficit. I was losing weight. But because I was new to training like this, you know, training hard, lifting weights, things of that nature, I was able to put on muscle. Now. Would I recommend it? Um, yes, I would, um, as long as you understand what you're doing. One of the things that we were talking about before the, the thing came on is that related to lean gains, when Martin Burkhan, you would sign up underneath him, 
he would give you macros. And a lot of people that were doing lean gains were just eating like morons or eating like assholes, like Susie says, um, and just eating in a smaller window. And you absolutely can eat a ginormous amount of, of calories doing it that way. I mean, when you think of alcohol consumption, you think of cheesecake, you know, all of these things. When I was doing lean gains mostly and actually a little bit of the warrior diet, I had already really super cleaned up my diet and I was eating a lot of whole foods and I was just eating a lot of it, you know, and that was the thing that allowed me to put on uh, muscle mass. So when we look at something like eat, stop, eat or every other day, the concern that you want to have, it, the way that I always view it, it's like having a hammer, right? And, you know, the answer sometimes is to hammer a little bit harder, right? And that's one of the reasons why, if you look at a fat loss stage with each perform, you know, first stage is a little bit higher, second stage is a little bit lower, you know. And, but the problem with intermittent fasting and, and what studies show is that what people do is use it in an overly harmful way. And I would say something like every other day fasting could really be overused to just destroy your thyroid and just destroy your hormone levels and things of that nature, right? And so that's where you have to be careful that the method, you know, Susie, I don't know. <laughs> um, Susie's dog's got to go get a squirrel. But you can hit the mute button, by the way, um, in the future. But uh, so getting back to what I was saying, is that these are technically very uh, stressful things to your body. And if you haven't talked to a doctor, if you're just reading about something, you know, on the Internet or you don't have a coach to walk you through it like you perform, you know, you might make the wrong decision. You know, so if you're just, you know, making decisions based on something you read on Reddit and you think that that's an overly healthful decision, you might want to think about that, and you might want to get a little bit more information and see if you can get some help, because the, you're, you're, when you deprive yourself of food, it doesn't always get you, you know, what, what intermittent fasting does is it basically allows you to hammer harder um, and control your level of discomfort. That's essentially what these time windows are. So when we look at 24 hours, like Amber was saying, you know, 6 p.m. to 6 p.m., you know, you could eat 10,000 calories up to 6 p.m., fast for 24 hours, then after 6 p.m., eat another 10,000 calories, and you're gonna net to a surplus. You're not gonna net to a deficit. And the opposite way is also true. If you eat 1,200 calories and then you fast for a bunch of days, all you're basically doing is just destroying your metabolism and you don't understand what you're doing and you need help, right? And so when we look at what the science says, the science says that you need to be more aware. It also says that women are much more susceptible to the negatives of intermittent fasting. If you think about it, you know, it sort of makes sense just from a math standpoint. Ed and I, we can naturally eat 
3,500 to 4,000 calories, right? But a women's or woman's intake is typically going to be lower than ours. So when they get to a deficit and they use intermittent fasting to get to that deficit, the math is just going to open up to more disordered, you know, uh, health profile, right? So that's why you have to be aware of what you're doing and why. So, you know, um, of the things that I would say are a good fit for eat to perform, really, you know, the only other mo- the only model that that sort of makes sense would be kind of more of the lean gains model. Uh, now, warrior diet could could kind of do it. It's interesting because when I did warrior diet, uh, I lost 10 pounds of muscle, and I was not as enlightened as I am now. I was one of the people on Reddit, like, hey, Warrior Diet, cool, it's a book, I'll read it. And, you know, Warrior Diet is not, so Warrior Diet is basically one meal a day at the end of the day. And boy, that meal was awesome, right? Because I wasn't necessarily tracking food. And it is very difficult to get in a lot of calories. So I kind of jokingly mentioned 10,000 calories, but part of the reason why you put it to a window it's just because it's very difficult to eat 10,000 calories from 6 to 9 p.m. as an example, right? And so it gets to be really uncomfortable, so you're able to manage calories there. Uh, a lot of people point to the advantages of insulin sensitivity, and that I, I would say that I've seen the pros there, right? But I've also seen the negatives where every extremity – is cold all the time, even when it's like 100 degrees outside, right? And when you're going that far, you're you're. It's it's one of these things that it's not necessary, right? And technically, none of this is necessary. All it is is a strategy to reach your caloric goals. So that's why. When you look at how we coach you guys, the information that we're giving you, basically, if you say to me, so here would be a great example and something similar to warrior diet, right? So warrior diet, you could eat two small meals and then a big meal, right? And the small meal might be like a protein shake in the morning, a little bit of yogurt, like four ounces, you're around one to two two p.m. And then you start eating at 5 p.m. I can tell you this. From someone who did warrior diet, um, I kept moving my, my window like to 3 p.m. You know, because it just got so uncomfortable, and it really got uncomfortable. Um, and when I look back at it and realize why I was blowing through so much muscle, that's why, right? Um, and so, so that's something to think about. But if we were looking at trying to manage you know, a small amount of calories, let's say a low day in a fat loss cycle or the second fat loss cycle, your warrior diet might be a good fit. You you would delay your meal as long as possible, have one or two little snacky type meals, and then your big meal at the end of the day, meeting your macros. Same thing with lean gains. Um, I actually technically today is my low day. Um, so I technically did lean gains today because I went to 1130. But once again, I have macros. I will be eating to those macros. So if you think that you can just intermittent fast and reach your goals, I can tell you that 
everything that you do from a dieting perspective will always require some specifics, right? And intermittent fasting is not magic. So the, the problems that you would normally have, you know, I mentioned why we sleep earlier. And one of the, the big emphasis of, I believe it was like the third or fourth chapter, I can't remember the specifics, but he talked about the, the harmful nature of intermittent fasting. And what was interesting about what he talked about was that most dieters understand what he was referring to. Most dieters, basically what he, he referred to is foraging. And so when you intermittent fast, you get to that foraging stage. So like when I talked about me moving my window to 3 p.m., it's, it was because, you know, I, I was hungry. And when you're overly aggressive, whether it be fasting or dieting, and you're sleeping four hours a day, you should just stop. Like you should just end your fat loss cycle right there. Because it's just too stressful. And basically what he talked about and why we sleep is that your testosterone levels are going through low and you're going to blow through a bunch of muscle, which is exactly what my experience was. So when I talk about, you know, hammer using the hammer and hammering harder, that's why I say that was my personal experience. I'm giving you the knowledge that I had to learn, you know, and 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 work through. So you can benefit from, but fasting 100% will compromise your metabolism, right? Because what's, what's one of the basic elements of metabolism? It's um, digestion of food is up to 25% of your metabolism each day, right? And then if you're losing muscle, that will hurt your metabolism. Uh, if you are fatigued, right? Like, you know, well, I would say there were moments where it, this actually sort of surprises people with fasting that you feel overly energetic, especially when you first wake up, but it doesn't last. It's not like something that well-rested people have. You know, it's it's almost like your cortisol is just out of control and it's keeping you up. And so when we look at the role of why people, you know, lose weight in a fat loss, in a deficit, things of that nature. Um, the last thing, I've touched on it a little bit, but when I did lean gains, um, I did it at 5,000 calories just because I liked eating in two or two bigger meals. Now, I was still eating at a deficit, and I was able to manage my sleep a lot better and stuff like that. I mean, I never exercised like that in my life. And so when I hit the bed, I, I do I do remember sleeping well, right? Most of my disordered sleep came around, um, you know, high stress work environment, you know, uh, dieting related, right? Getting back to that foraging thing. But you can eat, um, as a strategy, you know, like uh, George St. Pierre was talking about how IF changes life. Well, George St. Pierre has to make a weight class constantly. So he's constantly trying to eat less. And so when you look at it as a strategy to be uncomfortable, when do you want to be uncomfortable? You'd probably rather be uncomfortable in the morning and then be able to eat enough to so you can sleep well in the evening.
right? So you're essentially choosing discomfort. Even in the scenario that we were talking about with 6 p.m., if you ate a good amount of food, you know, let's do a little bit of math, right? So let's say that you did like a eat, stop, eat scenario. And you ate 3,000 calories, you stopped eating at 6 p.m., and then you ate at 6 p.m. And in that next 24-hour window, you ate 3,000 calories again. You've netted out to 2,000 calories over the course of those three days. And you go, wait a second, this sounds like calorie average. This sounds like everything Eat Perform is talking about all the time in deficits and things of this nature. That's the idea. There is no magic, right? If it provides you a little bit more comfort, that's why it's useful. Um, but there's always discomfort as it relates to dieting. And then sometimes there's always discomfort. I mean, one of the great things about eating 5,000 calories in an eight-hour window, your food prep was easy, right? I mean, I remember eating, you know, my, my go-to lunch was like a 16-ounce ribeye. It was, uh, you know, a, a whole thing of whole fudge with uh, cacao chips and strawberries. Um, a couple of uh, sweet potatoes and then, you know, some kind of fiber salad type thing. And boy, I was full, you know, um, almost to the point of, of, of too much. But I did that, did that for a while. And then, you know, those calories ended up being about 3000 calories. And so, you know, I, I, it was, it was sometimes tough getting the, the other 2000 calories in, you know, after, 6 p.m. So I, I wanted to stress that point that you don't have to just under eat intermittent fasting. Um, if you find it beneficial uh, as it relates to your work scenario, if you're a shift worker, if it's a um, just a scenario as it relates to convenience, uh, that might be another reason why intermittent fasting might make sense. But there are some very big negatives. I would just say that the very big negatives are related to under eating, banging the hammer harder, and not being intelligent about what you're choosing as it relates to your health. If anybody's ever done a detox or a flush or anything like that, just because your cousin Marge did it doesn't mean that it's scientifically sound. And you look at those detoxes and flushes, the government's suing a lot of those companies. So, you know, when you when you, you know, choose anything as it relates to your health, you probably want to spend a week, you know, a month or two months and not just do like a lickety split thing. Wow, this intermittent fasting thing, you know, Susie said I'm not eating like an asshole, so it's good. You know, um, that's not you know, you really want you really want to research that stuff and and try and get the most amount of information that you can. Take it away, Susie. <laughs> okay, so um, I just included this because I thought it was funny, but it does sometimes feel um, like it, two hours has been forever, especially if you have been on each perform for a while. So anyway, um, there are some pros. I think um, Paul kind of hit on a few of those and I wanna didn't want it to seem like there's I mean, there's a reason why people do it, right? So, you know, one of the pros is it's relatively easy to do. So sleep is considered fasting. So when we're looking at, you know, what I have done is Eat, Stop, Eat, which is the 24-hour fast. Um, 
I should say that in it's from a book called Eat, Stop, Eat. He only recommends doing it once a week. So it's not something that you do all the time, which I think people tend to think, well, if doing it once a week is good, then I'm going to start doing it five times a week. And um, that's not the point, right? As Paul said, you blow through muscle, your hormones get screwed up, you know, you're cold all the time. But um, you'd be surprised uh, once your body gets used to it. Um, it's not that hard to do. Um, another, you talk about lowering your insulin levels. So um, one thing that Paul didn't mention, it comes up a lot um, with intermittent fasting. So when you've gone without eating, um, even just an overnight fast, um, your insulin levels are very low, which means that your body is more prone to burning fat. So when you do exercise, um, in a fasted state, it is possible that then your body is using fat as fuel. Now, the problem with that is if you're doing any kind of intense exercise, your body needs carbs um, to fuel that exercise. So you're already you're either going to feel super, super crappy. <laughs> um, your workout's going to stink and you're not in any way, shape or form primed. Doing that workout. Um, now, if you're just going to go for a walk, um, that's the kind of thing you can do first thing in the morning, fasted, insulin is lower, and then, um, you know, potentially you are are burning more fat when you're doing that. So um, lower glucose, that's kind of the same same lines that 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 metabolic flexibility we're talking about. So you're you're training your body in a sense to use fats um, when carbs aren't, um, you know, overly present. Um, and in low intensity exercise. Um, but like I said, any type of training uh, above and beyond um, a very low heart rate is going to be difficult. Um, questions about increased growth hormone. I mean, some rodent studies have shown that. Doesn't mean that a rodent study is gonna translate into um, humans. And then increased autophagy. So autophagy is one of those um, terms going around. It's basically, um, your cells will produce, um, um, they sometimes will produce, like, how do I want to say it? Um, your cells are always producing, like, you know, cancerous cells, you know, off, maybe Paul can help me out with this. I had it better. But basically, autophagy just means your healthy cells are eating up the bad cells. So it literally translates into self-eating. So when you go without eating for a period of time, there is some evidence that your healthier cells will um, destroy the non-healthier cells at a greater rate. But again, that's still scientifically a big question mark. Um, Paul, anything you want to talk about here? No, I think you covered it. I, I think that, you know, when we talk about, you know, kind of the basic of, of chronic disease, right? is, um, you know, once again, you know, the sleep book, you know, really talks about the value of that eight hours sleep. But if, uh, if as an example, you're able to sleep eight hours and, you know, get fasting cycles in, you know, your body using that fat as stored fuel that could potentially turn into chronic disease, I think that's kind of the basis for what um, Susie was talking about and it's interesting because you know I, I found it I found it very convenient 
I didn't find it necessary though. Um, and so, you know, I only do the lean gains twice a week, which is on my low day. Um, I haven't done a fat loss phase in four years. So if I decide to do a fat loss phase later on, then I, I might um, still do it. But, you know, I'm always fearful just because, you know, sleep is, is so important to me. And, and And the thing is, is that, you know, I think that, we all have to have a realistic discussion with, you know, why our fat exists, right? And people just have this really unhealthy relationship with their their fat layer. And fat helps cushion your organs. So when you jump off of a box jump, you don't end up getting hurt, right? There's a lot of value to fat that is often discounted. And often people uh really go into kind of the the negatives and they want to see their spleen you know and <laughs> have super definition and stuff like this i can show you people with really high muscle amounts i, I would say i'm one of them you know that uh because i have a good amount of muscle you know i look like a really fit person but you know i'm not physique competition ready you know and it's this this pursuit of less without understanding why you're pursuing less right like what's more healthy sleeping eight hours a night having a good amount of food or intermittent fasting constantly under eating and sleeping four hours a night i think if anybody listened to that they they would choose the first right but people are constantly choosing the second because they're not thinking about the health ramifications, right? And there is sort of, you know, in, in the book, you know, they talk a lot about this machismo related to not sleeping. Um, and it it's literally like choosing death over life, right? I mean, when we talk about what's the more healthful idea, you know, and uh, that would be the thing that I think if you talk to people that are ketogenic dieting or intermittent fasting, and if they're sleeping less than six hours, they're doing nothing. They're just blowing through muscle. They're not necessarily dealing with fat. And you go, well, okay, couldn't they just lose a bunch of weight and then deal with it after? That's like saying, why don't we nuclear bomb your garden so the squirrels go away, right? I mean, it might work, but it's not necessary and it could cause all kinds of problems. And so those are the things that you have to be aware of. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So let's talk about some of the cons. I think um, Paul's already gone through quite a few of them, but I was going to have Ed address um, this really quick. So go ahead, yes. Ed. All right. Uh, so, yeah, Paul pretty much covered all of this, <laughs> but I could just touch on it again. So. Um, the first slide, uh, the first bullet on this slide is just hormonal changes, especially in women. So there's a lot of hormonal imbalances if you're not doing this properly. Um, and he touched on how you, women are just more prone to eating a lower calorie point. So they're never, they're going to cause a lot of hormonal dysfunction and cause a lot of problems with their uh, thyroid and hunger signaling. 
which would end up causing you to binge later on possibly. So um, yeah, you might, you might lose weight initially, but your body adapts to things really quickly and you might stall out. And then if you go on a binge, which you're going to, everyone's going to, if you're not doing this smartly and you just try to eat a very little amount of calories to lose weight very rapidly, um, you're just setting yourself up for disaster pretty much. And Paul, Paul pretty much touched on that. Um, it's often done in excess. This is something we also talked about, but um, yeah, it's just not a good idea to do that either, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Now, like with if you're an Eats Perform member, we give you macros. So it could be done um, effectively, but you definitely need to have a plan in place and don't just go and try to do intermittent fasting and consume as little calories as possible. And it has been shown to be no, uh, it's not superior to any other form of dieting. So it's no better or worse than any other caloric restriction diet. So it's just, a, it could be a very good tool to lose fat because you're reducing the window of eating, um, but you need to have a plan in place, like I said. And then it could disrupt sleep by uh, increasing cortisol levels and you're just not gonna feel good. So um, it's definitely just, is not good if you don't know what you're doing. You need to know what you're doing before you try this out. But I think that's right. pretty much it on this. And Paul, go ahead. So one thing that I did not touch on that is not in the cons section is eating disorders. Um, people with eating disorders are very prone or to, to look towards intermittent fasting as a solution. And I can tell you, as someone who really did not have a disordered view of eating, um, I would make lists of foods in the morning that I was going to eat in my window, uh, which is something I never did in my whole life. And then um, I would count down, you know, like when I viewed it as a very restrictive way. I don't I don't view it like that anymore. Um, and of course, I'm eating an adequate amount for what I do the good majority of the time. But if if I'm hungry um, at 11:30 and I had decided that it should be noon, um, I just eat at 11:30. I think what happened, you know, for me back in the day is I thought that noon was somehow special, that it was somehow better, and in reality. Um, I think it contributed to what could have been a very damaging way of viewing food. So if you've been susceptible to eating disorders in the past, if you've had eating disorder treatment, this might be something that you would want to stay away from. Yeah, agreed. And I think I read in the, the Minnesota starvation study, you know, the longer you go without food, the more you obsess about food, which is exactly what you're saying. So you think about food, you dream about food, you know, all of those things. And that mm -hmm. um, that is not what um, a healthy relationship with food looks like. So, um, okay, so I just wanted to go over real quick, um, just um, a study, basically, so you can see a little bit of scientific evidence to what we're talking about. But this was a st study done over the course of an entire year. So um, a third of the group was on an alternate day fasting schedule. So um, by that, on their fasting days, they were at only a quarter of their energy energy need for the day. 
and then on the day that they ate, they were a quarter above their energy needs. Then um, there was one group that was calorie restricted. So basically on a cut like we do, and then a third group where there was no intervention. So over the course of the year, um, what the researchers found was that alternate day fasting did not produce either better adherence, weight loss, weight maintenance, or um, cardio production, um, cardio protection versus just your normal cut, as we would call it. So what we were saying before, um, it's a strategy or a tool um, that can get you in the exact same place that just a normal cut would. There was also no significant difference um, in blood pressure, heart rate, targets, triglycerides, um, these sorts of things. So you're fasting glucose, fasting insulin, and insulin resistance. So um, again, just going into the fact that, you know, it's a, it's a tool, um, but it's not a tool that's been shown to be better. So, you know, research is a ball of confusion right now. Um, some of those things I said that were question marks, maybe um, they were shown um, evidence in rat studies, but not in humans yet. Um, a human research is still very, um, very early in that process. Um, calories still matter. This is what Paul was talking about. Um, you um, spent your whole day obsessing about food and then you, you know, eat an entire large pizza on your own and all of a sudden, you know, you are in a calorie surplus and not the deficit that you thought. Um, so calories, yeah, they matter. Um, so fasting can drive changes in hormones in a good and bad way. So like I said, it can help regulate the use of fat as fuel, um, if that's what you're looking for, but only done in a smart way. Um, it's easy to apply, and it's not for everyone. So like I said, it's highly stressful on the body. Um, so if you are already in a stressful situation, um, if you have young children and you are not sleeping well at night, um, you know, you're a shift worker or you have, um, you know, things that, that are already stressful to you going on, then adding in fasting is not um, going to help. It'll be more harmful um, in those situations. I will say that the, the one thing that fasting taught me was that it's okay to be hungry. So I think we talked about some amount of fat loss requires being uncomfortable. So, you know, a strategy to handle that is to delay your first meal, you know, all those sorts of things. But you will find that hunger um, is OK. And eventually you either, um, you know, distract yourself long enough or you go do something and you find that the, the hunger has gone away and then you're better able to manage your calorie intake for the day. So um, that was, I mean, I think that was the biggest takeaway for me was just learning that it's okay to be uncomfortable from time to time, and sometimes that's necessary. So um, Amber, I haven't called on you in a while. Do you have anything else you want to add? Paul's, uh, Paul, go for it. I'm, I'm trying to get your attention. Uh, oh, sorry, I can't see you. <laughs> staying, busy, staying busy is a big tip, especially when when you're hungry. But I wanted to talk a little bit about cravings, right? So what are cravings? Because if you Google cravings, you will get all kind of nonsense. And I'm just going to break down cravings into a very simplistic idea and then tell you why intermittent fasting can be abused. So cravings basically mean that 
you require a large amount of energy, right, in a very short period of time, which is why no one craves kale, right? Um, there's 14 calories in kale. It probably nets out to minus 17, you know, and so so no one craves kale. They crave pizza. They crave French fries, you know, and when you intermittent fast, you will sometimes deal with those types of scenarios. Like like Susie says, if, for instance, you were not planned and you did not have a meal plan, what do you think is going to happen? Right. So you go to the refrigerator, you're starving your face off, you know, you're going to call 1-800-DOMINOES, you know, and, and you're going to you're going to get the wings and the cinnamon rolls and whatever else that they're selling. You want it all, baby. Right. And so you got to remember that cravings are simplistic. I wish people would stop pretending that craving cravings, you have less protein or cravings mean that, you know, in the seventh moon of Sunday, you uh, you felt this way. No, cravings are you are deficient in calories, right? And when you're deficient in calories, what are you going to choose? You're going to choose the most energy dense sources, right? And so that's why when I came out of my fast, I ate in a mixed meal way, right? So. You know, one thing that I will say, <laughs> you don't want to just like down a bag of gummy bears because you'll be you'll be eating five minutes from there. Yeah. You know, you have to have kind of a mixed meal way of doing. It. That's why, you know, um, like like I said, you know, one of I, for a whole month, I just ate ribeyes. Um, that, that was uh, that was that was one month of what I was doing. Um, and uh, you're not hungry when you eat, you know, a significant amount of calories in a balanced way. You know, so with that, I will hand it off to Amber. All right. I think it's time for questions or Susie, tell me where we're going. Let's go to um, questions. I think uh, unless there's anything else you or Ed wants to say, I think it's time to start the, the Q&A. Ed, we're good to start questions? Start them. All right. All right. So the first one is from Marta. She's asking about using time restricted eating and fat loss. She says that she works from six to four and uh, is pretty busy. Um, hang on. Marta's got a whole lot of stuff going on. Um, basically, how can Marta fit um, restricted eating into a fat loss phase? Is so, how you schedule that? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I can take this one. So what basically I used to do was I would write CrossFit protocols for time-restricted windows, right? So I'm assuming she's saying she works from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. Yes. So it's sort of dependent on what you choose and what you feel would work best. Um, did she say she's a nurse? Um, no, engineer. Okay. So it, here's the problem that I, I would have, right, when you're dealing with being hungry. And, uh, you know, to a certain extent, there is kind of this health question, right, where, 
you walking through the day hungry, angry, you know, um, whether or not it makes sense for you in those situations. But let, let's walk through a few scenarios and it'll give you a little idea of, of how I think, right? So a couple of ways that you could do things. Uh, if your, uh, your window was 4 p.m. and you were able to eat right after that, maybe your workout would be around 6 p.m. And then you would be able to get away with a good amount. Now, a lot of it depends on actually what you ate the day before, right? That's actually one of the more important things because food takes up to 24 hours to load. So when we look at the, the time period between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., really dealing with acute energy needs, not necessarily all of your energy needs or whether or not glucose loaded into your muscle from the meals that you ate the day previous so you could you could basically do a do almost kind of like what i was talking with the the warrior diet where you're doing you know a couple of small meals throughout the day you know one of the problems that you have with eating eating uh one meal is there's a lot of science that talks a lot about uh it not being great for retaining muscle for you to have all your protein all at once so the argument would be to have you know a small protein shake a, a yogurt with protein and then start your eating window around 4 p.m work out at 6 p.m and then kind of rinse and repeat that scenario so that would be how i would think about doing it but i i do want to caution anyone that's like a healthcare provider or someone that is uh you know, a bus driver or things of this nature, especially if it's going to affect your sleep. Um, it's not just affecting your sleep. It's affecting your anger. It's affecting your, you know, emotional status. But that is how I would, uh, how I would set that up. And I'll, I'll just kind of wait for the other questions just to um, kind of give people general ideas on how they could set up their windows. Well, I'll give you, I'll give one example. So let's say that um, you were doing something like Ed's doing or I'm doing. You could modify your workout for your window and then eat you know, around, let's say, 10 a.m. Because you'll still have a lot of energy, right? Um, so if you woke up, let's say, 5 a.m. to 6 a.m., you're going to have enough energy for 10 a.m., but you probably would still want to modify that workout down. So if you're a man, if you're a man, do the female RX. If you're a woman, just do the 66% um, of whatever the RX is for you. Um, but I would not suggest crossfitting without eating. Um, but I would suggest that modified CrossFit in a fasting window where you know, let's say 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., you're probably fine, right? But that's really more of getting to the gym, getting your workout in. You're not necessarily trying to max out your deadlift on that day. If you're going to max out your deadlift, you you would want to go to the 6 a.m. class because you're actually technically still fed from the day before. All right, other questions, Amber? Yeah, here's one that, Susie, you kind of touched on. 
Um, Natasha says, when you say you don't make up, do you mean you skip the calories? Yeah. So, so, so what, what you're saying is, um, like if you were doing like a 22 to 24 hour fast or you're doing, um, well, I'm not sure if it's that way in the warrior diet, but I know from, from the 24 hour fast. So I would fast from 6 PM to 6 PM. And then I would just have a, the, the key is you just have a normal meal. So I wasn't trying to get my 130 grams of protein to have like a, a meal with 40 grams of protein, um, a normal meal that I would have on any given night. And um, then I would not try to all of a sudden have 2000 calories in one meal. That's, that's the premise behind um, eat, stop, eat. I think in lean gains where you have an eight hour window, you could still manage to hit all of your macros. Um, warrior diet, I think if you're just eating one meal a day, um, it would be very hard unless you are a female on, on 1500 calories to eat all of that in one meal. I will say that uh, you just get full. <laughs> so, um, so I would think that you're not trying to, to make up calories. And that's why the emphasis is on not doing this every single day. Um, and that's well, where you're just to be clear, day. just to be clear, warrior diet is not just one meal a day. He will uh, suggest that you have some food throughout the day, which technically isn't fasting. Um, but it kind of doesn't really matter. Right. right. Um, it, it's probably a muscle preserving thing. Uh, like I said, that that is probably one of my least favorites, um, even though I did it for quite some time and found it to be OK. But uh, it was OK because, I mean, what Susie said, she gave you a little insight and I'll admit to it also. I wasn't tracking, you know, yeah. um, and. It is, in fact, better if you're tracking, right? Because what Susie's saying, if, for instance, you're looking at three 24-hour windows and you're trying to get in, let's say, 1,600 calorie average, you'd be better off tracking, right? Um, but if you're just kind of winging it, you know, you're going to keep kind of winging it results, right? So keep that in mind. Right. All right, let's keep moving on. Yeah, so uh, then um, I believe it's Natasha again asks, so you don't spread those calories over to the other days through the week? No, no, that's what Susie's saying. Um, well, it's, it's Tracy, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. The um, I think her question says, when you eat, stop eat, or eat, stop eat, do you just take the calories from the stop day? And do you remove them? So your fasting day, or do you take those days calories and apply them to the next day? So um, in the case of eat, stop, eat, you know, if you were tracking macros, you would basically take your macros, divide by seven and make sure that you're eating those calories for the week. That's how you do it. So what Susie's saying is correct, but what Natasha's saying is also correct. Right. Like you want to make sure that you're you're not um, just taking away another seventeen hundred calories because all that's going to do is open up more dysfunction. Right. Yeah. OK. I Yeah. I see what you're saying. So you would eat more if you did it one day a week, you would eat more on six days. Um, yes. 
made up for that one day. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So yeah. so what yeah. would basically happen, you know, I'm not going to do the exact math, but, you know, instead of eating 1700 for seven days, you would eat 2000 for six days just because right. you find that to be more manageable. Exactly. Back to Amber. Okay. So does that hopefully Natasha's makes sense and we got that figured out for her. Tracy asks, it if she does a full fat would once a month be okay for a full day fast yeah. i mean yeah that you could make an argument for it i don't i don't know that it's going to be of great value yeah that's what was, you have to ask why <laughs> but yeah. yeah like if you're just doing it because you want to do it uh that's certainly something i've done and didn't find it negative yeah and there's plenty of people that for religious reasons do that and it's fine mm -hmm. so um but you have to i would just think about well, what the purpose is yeah she says i have hashimoto's uh if i follow eat to perform while doing intermittent fasting would that be okay so we really need to be first of all none of us are doctors and none of us stayed at a holiday and express last night so we don't technically know that answer so you you want to talk to your doctor but the basic underlying assumption is that with hashimoto's you're going to have some level of thyroid issues you're going to have some level of dysfunction as it relates to your bodily system so why would you create another stressful scenario that's going to make it a little bit more difficult right all you're potentially doing is throwing a little bit more of a nuclear bomb on that squirrel and the squirrel doesn't require a nuclear bomb it just might require a little weed whacking you know yeah. um she might not have been here for the squirrel metaphor but i wouldn't do it if i if i had if i had hashimoto's i can tell you having intermittent fasted i would not do it I would not recommend it to my family members or anything like that. Cool. All right. Of so course, on Reddit, <laughs> on Reddit, they'll recommend it. You know. Yeah. And someone is absolutely cured of Hashimoto's on Reddit. But I'm just telling you, I wouldn't do it. I would talk to your doctor. I think your doctor's going to say no. Um, and that's why most people don't talk to their doctor about this kind of stuff. Right. Okay, moving on. Keith's been doing the 16-8 for a period of time, and he's saying well, it's really tough to get uh, 2,300 calories in the eight-hour time period. Um, it's a lot of food in that time period, and um, heard about not eating it back. Not... So 2,300 calories within eight hours is a lot of food. Thought I heard something about not eating it all back. Well, first of all, I think that you're, I'm trying to say this the really nice way. Um, you're probably over-reliant on whole foods in that scenario. And you're under-reliant on energy-dense foods. So for instance, let's say that you eat really lean meats and a lot of kale and salads and you believe that that's the answer and that's gonna solve your whole life, you're wrong. Your metabolic bank requires more food at times. So it seems like 
the underlying issue of what you're talking about is you believe that you need to eat less, right? Well, my guess is if you think 2,300 calories is a lot, you'd be really astonished by my 4,000 calories a day, right? Um, and I'm weight stable. I'm adding muscle in that process, right? So basically what I'm saying to you is you are your biggest problem. You are not thinking about how you really need to, the end game, right? The end game is you're putting money in the bank and then you withdraw it. So you're saying, I just want to keep all my money in my pocket. Don't want to put anything in the bank, but I want to withdraw. Tell me how that works when you go to the bank and you're negative 200, right? That's essentially what you're trying to do. And you're allowing yourself to have the excuse that you can't eat anything more than that. I can tell you that that's not true, but doesn't mean that that's not your truth, right? If you want to convince yourself of that and you don't want to have foods with fats, if you don't want to have more energy dense foods, then basically you're just saying to yourself that you want to stay where you are for the rest of your life, right? Which is fine, right? Like, like you know, I, I would say for myself, what I eat, what I do, I could do this for the rest of my life. I love it, you know? Um, but if you want to get better than where you want to go, then you really need to be a little bit more open to energy dense foods um, and you need to be a little bit more um, planned as it relates to those kinds of things. Most people that have the problems that you're talking about don't plan their food very well. Right. Um, so and, and energy dense foods does not necessarily mean like a bag of gummy bears. Right. You can have like a, a smoothie with coconut milk you know, things of that nature. Fruits are energy dense. You know, it's just, you know, if you if you thought that chicken and kale was the answer and you've been trying that for the last 20 years and you're wondering why you just can't figure it out, I know, <laughs> right? You're not putting enough money in the bank and that's why you need to do it. Amber. So it doesn't have a name, but somebody says, I totally agree. From years of fasting and under eating, I still tend to not want to eat. But since joining Eat to Perform, I've been eating throughout the entire day and life has been so much better. Better energy, better sleep. And finally, the scale moved, which is awesome. Uh, Stephanie says, I like using this as a tool. I've been, want I've been waiting to eat until noon on my low days during fat loss. And I think this is helping. Plus, I make sure to plan in a decent bedtime snack each night. So, fantastic. Let's see. How are, Rebecca asks, how are your calories and macros determined if you do something like 16-8? I would say that um, it's the same. So, it wouldn't change. It's just you're choosing to eat all of your macros in an eight-hour window instead of you know a 15 or 16 hour window correct Paul? it wouldn't change anything at all yeah exactly it would be the exact same calories yeah so if you chose to eat it in, in 16 meals as opposed to two you could do that also yeah heather asked what is the best food to curb a sweet tooth i've heard salt kills sweet is there any truth to that no um amount is is yeah. uh 
is the real answer. So if uh, if you're under eating, you know, then you're going to create crave more energy dense foods. And this happens a lot of time with people in fat loss. Right. So they're in fat loss. They're sleeping five hours a night and they're so frustrated because they're not getting anywhere. And it's like, well, you're just using the same hammer over and over again. And until you allow yourself to kind of be what you're going to be, you know, there's so many people that I think are trying to be something that they're not meant to be. Right. So I always used to use the, the, you know, what'd your grandmother look like? What did her mother look like? What did your mother look like? What did your dad look like? You know, there's a lot of people that are trying to be outside of their genetic type. Right. And I was, I'm thinking of a concept of an article that I'm trying, trying to put together right now. And the article is, what if you did everything right, but wanted to be somebody different, right? And what I meant by that is, you know, if societal pressures or whatever, you want to be 120 pounds, but your genetics, when you're eating an adequate amount of, and doing amazing things, is 160. You're going to be fighting nonstop against all this other stuff and you're going to be under eating all the time and it's going to cause more problems than it solves. Right. So in terms of like dealing with cravings, the default position should always be, am I eating enough? It has nothing to do with salt. It has nothing to do. I mean, you might in under eating might be deficient in salt, you know, and that might help you. Right. But it's not the underlying problem. The underlying problem is that you're not eating enough. Yeah, I'd agree. I think people say crave sugar because it's the fastest energy source for your brain. So um, your brain is just telling you I'm hungry. <laughs> That's all that right. is. Right. Uh, okay, Amber. All right. So, Ed, help me out with this one. Someone says, I'm new to eat to perform and still struggling and still struggling to get all my food in. I feel like I'm not ready to attempt intermittent fasting. I already have an unhealthy view of carbs. Am I right in thinking this? Um, so for me, I pretty much have a whole food plant-based diet. And actually the healthiest people with the longest, like the best quality of life and longest life expectancy eat 80% of their calories from carbohydrates. Uh, a lot of carbs have a lot of micronutrients in them, and you can get them in in a healthy source, such as uh, potatoes, like sweet potatoes. There's things in rice, oatmeal, um, avocado, nuts, seeds, all of those things that contain a lot of healthy foods that are more calorically dense. So it's just kind of like trying to figure out you need to find foods that are more calorically dense and try to get away from that chicken and kale type of mindset where you're just eating like you think that um the only way to get skinny or get lean i should say is to eat like vegetables and lean meats and stuff like that kind of like the thing that paul was talking about finding those foods that are more calorically dense so this young lady is saying or i'm not sure um let me find it that's all right. I'm seeing that um, a lot of you people are having to move on. So let's just take one last question and then we'll do the prize. Um, 
we don't want people to miss it. I know we've gone over. So can I just add to what Ed said though? Yeah. Because you know, one thing that Ed didn't mention is pre-logging, you know, and, and that hasn't come up yet and it should have come up because pre-logging is one of the things, especially if you're new to eat to perform, you know, if you have a plan of what you're gonna eat going into that day and you eat that, that's way better than trying to wing it and feeling uncomfortable. And I think that that's what you're you're actually speaking to, that you're just trying to wing it throughout the day and then you're like, oops, low on carbs. And uh, my wife has this problem, by the way. Um, she, you know, naturally will wing it and naturally will not get get enough carbs. And so she has to, to pre-log, otherwise she just never makes it. Um, but I think that there's a bigger point of what you're, you're saying is, why am I here, right? You're here because all the other things didn't work, right? And so what we're saying to you is, as coaches, that we only know one way, right? And that one way is that you have to do the process that we're putting in front of you. And then we can make changes to that process. But if you say, well, I'm just going to get stuck on the first rock, then I would say that that's how most people feel at everything, right? So you have to allow yourself mentally to get to that place where it's not just about clicking the free trial button, right? It's about actually doing the work. And if you can challenge yourself to do the work, that will be the real answer for how you bring more carbohydrates and more food into your life. So this is a great question, and we should have I should have covered this initially, but um, is sleeping considered fasting? So uh, not eating from the evening to when you wake up, and I should have mentioned that initially, is that considered fasting? And then the second part of the question was, I work out at 6.15, so an early morning one, and um, I was just curious if that counted. So it does. It does count. And Susie, hold tight because there's one oh, more. Sure. Okay. I know, I know, I know. Um, do you think, I think this is a great way to end. Do you think using something like the 16-8 method would work simply as a strategy to help someone stick to their macros and reduce overeating? Paul? So... Okay, so I'll steal Susie's thunder because it's called breaking your fast is breakfast, right? So when you're breaking your fast, yes, sleeping is you're fasting at that at that point. Um, in terms of the workout question, uh, can you read that back to me again? She was just saying, did that count? So she works out in the morning, and if she fasted, did the evening count or sleeping time count as saying that she's fasting? Yeah. Yes. If, you're, if you work out fasted, that counts for sure. Yeah. So then, and then what was the, what was the yeah, last the next part? Question was, do you think something like the 16-8 method would work as a strategy to help someone stick to their macros to reduce overeating? So it sounds like they come from an overeating background. And would the 16-8 help them stick to their macros? No. And let me just, I know everybody's like, yes, it would, yes, it would. Um, <laughs> but I'm saying no, because 
why are you eating food that isn't part of your plan, right? And so we've talked a little bit, right? So you're talking about the opposite of what the other person. So the chicken and kale person, she's like, I can totally do that, right? Because I, I know chicken and kale doesn't make me hungry. But you're like, I don't want chicken and kale, you know? Um, I want to eat energy-dense foods. Now, in a sense, what you're saying is true. Like, if you wanted to go to just one meal a day and that one meal a day was pizza, I wouldn't suggest that you would get a good nutrient profile from that. Um, but you could do it, right? And uh, I would say that that's actually a strategy that I use on weekends with parties and things of that nature. Um, but I know it's imperfect, right? Um, I, I think what you have to do is commit yourself to what will ultimately become a new lifestyle. And when you look at Eat to Perform, what we're really bringing to you is that food is an ally, right? So what I'm going to challenge you to do is the thing that I challenged myself to do, is I needed to grow up. I needed to quit pretending that I could eat like a 12-year-old and have success, right? Because what happens when you do that, you know, and I'm speaking to myself, right? I'm talking to me, not to you, is I wasn't getting in enough fiber. I was eating more processed foods. My sodium was often high, and I wasn't able to have energy throughout the day. And so um, I, I think if you commit to whatever your macros are, now, you may be asking actually another question. If you're tending to overeat the macros that you have right now, maybe you're just not ready yet for fat loss, right? One of the things that a lot of people don't realize is if you look at my macros at 4,000 calories a day, right? Do you think I'm hungry? Probably not, right? Do you feel, do you think I'm going to binge? You know, it's very difficult to binge. I mean, a lot of times it's very difficult to eat 4,000 calories a day. It feels like work, right? So I would argue that you might be trying to work against your system. One of the things that's sort of nice, because I kind of use my super day for this, is that on my super day, I don't track. And if I under eat, oh, so be it, right? But I mean, when you're eating this amount of calories every single day, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a break. I think you're coming into it probably with fat loss numbers, right? And then wondering why you're struggling or why you're hungry. You do have to sort of lose that love affair you had with Taco Bell, right? With with all the processed foods that we all know and love, you know? And you have to be okay with having some of it occasionally, right? And that the majority of the time, like I said, I'm talking to me, not to you. You're eating like an adult, you know, and you're eating with a purpose and with a goal in mind. And if you do that, I think you'll be in a better position. But when you look at your 16 to 8 window, don't look at it as a way of punishing yourself so you can only eat foods in that certain window that'll keep you accountable. No, the only way you're going to stay accountable is if it's part of who you are, right? And if you don't understand that chicken and kale needs to be a part of your meals on occasion, then you're kind of missing the bigger picture, right? Because 
it's very difficult to live on just pizza and Taco Bell, right? And so you have to kind of find a compromise that works for you and makes sense. And your coaches can help you do that. Um, all right, cool. Well, I will say if we didn't get your question answered, put it in the app. Um, we will get to it. We will try to answer it, but um, apologize, we are way over. So I'm gonna have Amber give out our prize and then we'll wrap up. All right, so guys, I posted on um, in the Facebook group about a super cool water bottle that um, looks amazing so you can click on the link and check it out what it does is it links with uh, it can integrate with Fitbit or health kit and it will tell you about your hydration so how much water you've had throughout the day it blinks to let you know or remind you to drink water throughout the day it isn't uh, you don't have to recharge it it is it looks super cool you guys I, I think you're gonna absolutely love it and it is gonna step up your hydration game which if you're doing some fasting you gotta drink the water or even if you're not fasting you gotta drink some water so it's gonna be super cool I can't wait to see who gets it what color you pick and hear all about it so and it's we, also dishwasher safe so you can wash it in the dishwasher <laughs> thanks mom Amber was <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our winner is drum roll, please. There you go. Thanks, thanks, Susie. There you go. <laughs> oh, good. party pooper. Oh, is I'm scrolling through to find your name. I'm looking to find your name. Where are you? Is Stephanie Johnson? Stephanie hey. Johnson has been working on her sleep and stepped that up super proud so it's not just about getting the green protein carbohydrates and fat it's about the other things that those small pieces put the big puzzle together so super proud of you for working on that and making that a priority susie awesome all right well we're gonna wrap it up i just want to say something that i saw this week that that resonated with me and, and what paul has said um, don't spend or don't waste 95% of your life trying to weigh 5% less. Um, I think our goal here is health, um, healthy relationship with food and a healthy just overall balance. So I'm going to leave you guys with that. Paul, any final words? No, this was, this was really awesome. And I mean, I, I hope that we did a good job balancing the benefits and the potential cons. I think the, the 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 only real negatives is you and your not understanding of what you're doing. If you understand what you're doing and you can use it as a tool, and in that process you have adequate macros at time, sometimes inadequate macros at time, right? Like that's a little bit of what fat loss is. Um, you can make it work for you. So we'll end on that note. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.